Hello, I am Brian Foster, and today I'm talking about Spiritism. And we are going through the book, Through the Mist. Uh, we're doing Chapter 3, Prismatic Landscape Continued. And today is November 23rd, 2021. First, let's have a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you in this time of Thanksgiving for the United States that we give thanks for God who created us, for you who shepherded us from infancy to where we are now, to our guardian angels who watch over us and give us subtle signs and signals that one day we may pick up and inspirations that, that cause us to think and rethink and to hopefully analyze our situation in the cool, hard light of reality so we can make improvements to ourselves and we can grow and rise in the spiritual hierarchy and be ready to work and be productive members of heaven. Amen. So, we are doing uh, Through the Mist. It's a great book. And by a spirit who, who re wished to remain nameless. Although, as we were reading, we saw other spirits call him Fred. So I don't know his last name, but his first name was Fred. He was a very devout religious person, not a member of the clergy. He grew up in a very strict uh, religious house. Uh, he didn't really like it that much. He said there wasn't much love. But he was kind of a loner, and he went around the, lived in a nice uh, area in London, but he went around and helped the poor in the slums of London back in the turn of the, uh, the end of the 19th century, I should say. So, and then what he has written is just, it, it parallels and it reinforces what Spiritism told us and what was revealed to us by the wonderful codifier of Spiritism, Alan Kardec. Now, if you would like to read and understand about Spiritism, I recommend, in order to get kind of an overview of Spiritism, if you're new, I would recommend that you download my book, Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. And that is in... That is in PDF form, which you can uh, download for free. It's also in French. And if you would rather have it on Kindle, it's like 99 cents on Kindle. It's on paperback and Audible. Again, that's at nwspiritism.com. So, and then I would, I would, if I were, you know, as a suggestion, you do whatever you like, of course. Uh, I would start reading Alan Kardec's uh, codification of the Spirits book, led by the Spirit of Truth. And the Spirits book, you can, again, if you click on his picture on my name and nwspiritism.com, it will take you to the FEB bookstore site. You can find the Spirits book, the Gospel According to Spiritism, the Medium's book, and all sorts of other Spiritist literature in English, which is great. And, you know, the books by uh, Chico Xavier, uh, beginning with No Solar, the whole series by the wonderful <coughs> spirit Andre Luis. So I would recommend that uh, a lot. I think that's a wonderful series of books, and you learn so much. And I use a lot of that as source in my other books as far as when I talk about certain things about spiritism, and I go through those, and I find examples of what they mean by certain things. So it's very enlightening. And spiritism gives us an overview of the world and how we should look at it. Okay, let us start. Now, what we're doing, we're starting in the middle of chapter three. So if we look at chapter three, 
Let me show this here. Here we go. Now start with like the little bit page before. And what he said, and they were talking about misconceptions and what the theories are, and that there's a lot of of um, ignorance still on earth about the spirit world. And the, the higher spirit that talks to him says, even here we are not competent to speak upon many matters. Our brethren in the flesh have settled to their own satisfaction. But we must wait until we reach those conditions in which the necessary faculties will be developed to understand the present mysteries. Advanced instruction in science is not given by pupil teachers to the scholars in an infant class. And our father knows the requirements and capacities of his children better than to have so designed the course of their spiritual education. And you'll see this even with when spirits talk to individuals on earth. They won't say, okay, this, this is the fact. Oh, no, you're wrong about this point, right? So there are, there are uh, and I, you, know, you can see and read about Christian prophets who have had visions, who have you know, had conversations with, with who they believe are uh, God or Jesus. Uh, most probably they're, they're spirits, so that's fine. Uh, they, they won't say, no, you're wrong. They'll let, them, they'll let them think what they think. But they won't say, and then they'll come and they'll interpret what was said, and they'll interpret it by the Old and New Testament. And even though there is reincarnation, they won't say, no, you know, you shouldn't say this because there is reincarnation. Now, they, will, they, won't, they won't correct you. They will lead you. And if you can either take that up, you can or not. So some people say, you know, they'll, they'll tell me, like, well, you know, you, you say, as for instance, uh, the wonderful prophet Kat Kersey, and, and she's had many travels to, to heaven. And when I listen to her, I'm, I'm really as sure as I can get that she's been there because the things she say, even the, the little details, and yet some things I, I say, well, I'm not sure about that. You know, these are small ones because she's just a wonderful person. Uh, about that interpretation, but then again, I remember that, that they're not going to say, no, no, you're wrong about this or that. Now, I could be wrong too. So I'm just going to say, I'm, and I'm sure she's a completely superior and much nicer person than I am. So I'm just trying to use her as an example, wonderful example of that. They're not going to come sit down and tell us, now, these are all your misconceptions. That, that's not going to happen. We will mature into understanding our misconceptions. And that's, again, exactly what the Spirit said. That No, no, we'll just wait till you're ready. Because you're not going to teach science to kindergartner class, right? Because he's scholars in an infant class. So, you know, you're not going to teach algebra to first graders. That, that's just not going to happen. And, again, that's with us. We have to kind of rise to that level. And, and that's, what, that's what Spiritism tells us is that, you know, we may think, people say, well, the Old Testament, there's lots of, you know, cruel things in the Old Testament. There's some cruel things in the New Testament. But they, Spiritism tells us that the spirits talk to us in the, in the current level of, in the level of culture and technology of the time when they talk to. So when they talk to people back in Moses' day, is different when they talk to people in the day of Jesus Christ. It is different from what they talked to and told Alan Kardec in the third revelation, the first being Moses, the second being Jesus Christ, and the third being uh, Alan Kardec uh, codifying the Book of Spirits and his other books. So just remember that. And again, when you, uh, so don't expect people 
who have who have talked to other spirits to know how to interpret everything perfectly and it's not fair to them and what i have seen and what you know the messages and i'm not a medium so you know i'm very inferior to all of these people but what i've seen when i've had written messages is you know the amount of times my wife and i misinterpret what they're saying so when you think well prophet got that wrong or something like that it's it's like, well, it's tougher than you think. And you know, they use very precise language, but their language is so precise, we we misinterpret it. Uh, they know what they're talking about. We are more like kids trying to uh, in, interpret the, the language of an adult. And sometimes our misconceptions get in our way. So, and uh, the other thing is, this the spirits won't talk about, you know, dates. Because there's no there's no time, there are events, and therefore don't you know when someone gives you an exact date, eh, they may have wanted to, to know that, and maybe that's their belief. I'm not saying that they lie to think at all. I'm just saying, and most prophets will say that too. And they say, no, don't don't take dates. We don't know when this is going to happen. And in fact, I've been told uh, in messages to myself and my wife is that okay, you remember our time is not your time meaning that you you know whenever it's like children whenever you tell oh we're gonna go on vacation they go oh is it time you know is it is it are we there yet right if you're on the car and uh we are so anxious and so we have to learn patience okay let me uh carry on now with the second part of chapter three and this is what he says I notice how you appeal to reason in all your illustrations, I said, being anxious to hear his opinion about it. Undoubtedly, he replied, all laws have the root and center in God and are therefore capable of being reasoned upon so far as we can comprehend them. The so-called natural laws or spiritual laws translated into requisite expressions for physical existence, and if rightly understood, would serve as an index to spiritual progress. The struggle for supremacy of creed and influence has, unfortunately, resulted in exalting the letter of the law while the spirit of its revelation has been ignored. Hence the rise of error and misconception. Take, for instance, the present orthodox idea of heaven. Suppose at the midst the heart was thrust into every unskilled hand while every unmusical voice commenced an unending shout of glory, glory, glory. Well, it might be their idea of heaven, but what would be the opinion of such as Handel, Mozart, Beethoven, and a thousand of others who understand the laws of harmony? One moment's serious thought would make it impossible for such an idea to remain true. And they actually talked about this in the Spirits book, where Alan Kardec had a question about heaven. And the Spirits answered, well, it's not the Elysian fields, as you think so, because if it was... That would be hell because they would die of boredom. What are you going to do? You know, sit there and just meditate for, you know, for your immortality? No, that's, no. You've got things to do, lands to look at. You're still going to improve yourself. You're going to keep learning. It's going to be intellectually exciting. And really, that's what, that's what really makes us, uh, uh, motivate us, is to be intellectually excited. Okay, I'll carry on. Perhaps so, but I am unable to see how it would be possible for them to form an accurate conception of this life. It is so different from what I expected to find it, and I was no friend of orthodoxy. 
And then the spirit said, why is it so different? Not because it is unreal, but that you have formed an unnatural opinion of it. The change from immortality, from mortality to immortality is but a stage in the development of the soul, similar to that which changes the blossom to the fruit. The natural law is not broken and destroyed in either case. It is but carried forward another stage for the object to be achieved. You never find the blossom of the soul to be the progenitor of the peach or the bud of a daisy to expand into a rose. So in translation from the lower life to this, precisely the same law is in operation. This being the complement and continuation of that. But it becomes such an occasion of bewilderment from the fact that man is erroneously taught to believe that by a simple act of faith, exercised even in the hour of dissolution, he has the power to accomplish such an impossibility in the case of a soul which you would say would be insane to suggest in relation to the fruit or the flower. Not that man has the power, I suggested, but that God is able to accomplish it in the exercise of his omnipotence. I've never heard of any sect who claim to have the power that is universally ascribed to God alone. In precept, you are right, but in practice, man is supposed to have all the power and God nothing, whatever to do with it. It may be my ignorance, I replied, but I still fail to see where you are right. And so, and I think where, where um, Fred, the spirit, is going is, is it, we ha he has, there's, there's a, uh, a mistiness, a haziness of what most people think is God, uh, is heaven, I should say. And that we, we believe, we believe in heaven as this kind of, floating we're there we're you know we can fly maybe with our wings we we interact with jesus and god and other angels if we're in heaven right um but that all the decisions and everything is really there's god and jesus on their thrones pointing at different things and giving orders well no it's the the mundane secret of heaven is that it's organized kind of like our organ our corporate organizations are organized we have a president on top our president our ceo our governor is jesus he's in charge of this planet and other planets besides he has ministers there his ministers has more ministers and managers and they have other sub levels of managers and there's workers and and all that and then when an order comes down from God, an order is usually, for what I have read, is broad enough so that as it comes down, it can be interpreted by spirits in their own little way. So they have they have a good scope for creativity in creating things and moving things forward. So when you go to heaven, it's, it's like, oh, okay, well, this isn't that foreign <laughs> to me. There's a there's a city. There's someone in charge, there's roads, there's transportation in the lower levels of heaven because people haven't learned how to volatate, meaning movement by thought yet. Uh, there's organization. There's schools, there's colleges, there's all that. So it's, it's, it's amazingly different in the fact that your mind, is, thought is action, but then in your perception of the organization, not that different. So think about that. Okay.
Let me go on what the Spirit said. Let me use, by a no means uncommon illustration, God is represented as having made certain provisions for man's salvation, subject to his repentance. This repentance to be exercised or not, as the individual may determine, and is the arbiter of his own fate that he is pleaded with. And is it not so, I inquired? In the sense that he cannot be forgiven before repentance, yes. But the teaching I repudiate is that the exercise of repentance in man is able to work an impossible change in the nature of the individual the moment he consents. Hear my case and tell me if I am not right. A man whose life is weighted with outrage, cruelty, and murder stands face to face with dissolution, shrinking from the step about to be forced upon him. In the prison cell, while the execution bell is toiling and the hangman depriving him of all the power to help or avert his fate, the minister is pleading with him to repent, assuring him of all may yet be well. God is ready to forgive. Je Jesus is willing to receive, and angels are waiting to carry his blood-washed spirit home. His moments are but few, and an eternal destiny is hanging in the balance of his own decision. Where, I ask, is any power left in the hands of God in such a doctrine? And yet you know what I say is true. Such a man is assured that nothing but himself stands in the way of immediate and absolute forgiveness, no matter what his life has been. But even repentance is the gift of God, I replied. I know it, and do not wish to undervalue such an act, but only to protest against the power attributed to it. A man, by neglecting the caution of his friends, may sustain the fracture of a limb, or bring himself into difficulties, after which he repents of his foolhardiness. But does that repentance save him from the consequence of his rash conduct? Of course not. And the same law obtains in relation to the soul. So this is exactly, again, what Spiritism preaches, that, yes, the and the spirits tell us that the last moments of death should not be interfered with because there's a lot of ana, uh, analytical uh and uh, analyzing going on into that person and it helps them and when they move over and they start learning in the spirit world but this is what uh the christian religions will not acknowledge so they say if you repent the last moment you're fine you're, you're washed away of your sins no you're not but that doesn't mean that you're going to be in a bad place forever it means that in your next life, you have to pay for your past wrongs. And this is where their refusal to countenance the what I believe is the fact of reincarnation and how karma actually operates. Because if you look at karma, which is every action has a reaction and reincarnation, which is you come back on earth and you learn better and better, is that not a more perfect system than saying, okay, I'm going to give you one chance on earth and I might put you in a great family and make your life completely comfortable or i may put you in a sewer and make you completely desperate and have all sorts of criminals around you and you you're, you know you both should get to heaven is that fair is that nice is 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 god would want that would jesus want that i i object if if you say yes now i understand people's beliefs but what reincarnation does, it says, okay, you are born in certain areas because you need the experience or you need to atone for your past wrongs. And this life is going to be a series of trials and tribulations. You're going to learn a lot. 
Now, when you get out of this life, you still may go to the lower zone or the dark abyss, which is kind of purgatory. There's nothing eternal. You won't like it, but you'll keep learning from it. And at some time, the light's going to go on and you're going to see, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be so mean and take advantage of my, my brothers and sisters. And at some point in time, in some life, you will become a good person. Jesus and God doesn't give up on any one of us. And this is what he's saying. He says, repentance doesn't save him the consequences of getting a broken leg because he jumped off a you know, two-story building or one-story building. No, he still has a broken leg. He's, he's going to be in that cast for three or four months. The same thing on life. If you've, you've been a criminal, if you've lied, you've done bad things, eh, you know, just because, oh, I repent. No, no, sorry. You're going to, that's going to, that's, that is not, that's just surface. That's just like, oh, I'll repent because uh, I won't, you know, I'll be scot-free. No, that, that's not how it works. You have to go through and you have to, you have to really rip out those primitive emotions of hate, envy, pride, selfishness. That, that's where our lives and the trials and tribulations that we go through teach us those things. It does help because it sets your mind up to think about those things. I'm not saying it doesn't help. Okay, so then he says, in the light of your present experience and knowledge, how would you proclaim the law of God to man, I ask? No one can make a simpler, more perfect declaration of it than Jesus when he said, one is your father, even God, and all ye are brethren. In the exercise of his paternal duties, God is not a respecter of persons. From every child, obedient love is expected. After that, brotherly affection towards every member of the family, without exception. That is the whole law of God, and rigorous observance of it is enforced, with a commensurate punishment for each violation. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, is that not a, a complete definition of karma? And implies that, how you, how are you going to reap that? After you've been, you've repented and you're in heaven and you're up there playing your harp, how are you going to reap whatever you soweth? No, it's not. It's karma and reincarnation. And as the spirits told us, if you want to summarize spiritism, it's really it's the golden rule, right? Treat others as you would like to be treated. And this is what he's saying here. Okay, I'll carry on. These words revive the intense desire to get back again to earth, which before possessed me and prompted my prayer upon the slope. They seem to strengthen the hope that in some way my yearning might be possibly be gratified. And then I ask, if the family relationship is so closely observed and the transition only a development, not a severance, is it not possible that some provision exists whereby we may still reach the earth and help to correct these grievous errors? And he answered, yes, such naturally exist, and all the testimonies of the earth bear evidence to the fact. But seeing a ministry like this would be fatal to all creeds and sects, as it would break down the profession of the priest. It has therefore been an amantheticized and pronounced to be of hell. And again, this is one of the things that we have been told by spiritists is that in the early Christians believed in talking to spirits 
and they believe in reincarnation and the fact of karma. It was only later when the priestly class came up through the whole Christian and Catholic era that they said, no, let's not, let's not talk about reincarnation because it gives us less power. And that's what he says. It would break down the profession of the priest. If you know that you're going to be alive again at some time on earth and that you are immortal and that you've got a long time to make your own uh, improvements in your character, why do you need a priest? Spiritism, we have no priest. We have people that will give talks and give you more information, but there's no priest. And that's what spiritism has been. It tries to counteract the priestly class, which before they have tried to keep the mediums within the priestly class, but the priests have kind of hidden what the messages are. And this is all throughout the world and whatever religion, creed or whatever. And, you know, take, for instance, the Egyptian priestly class. They knew so many things. Emmanuel said the Egyptian priestly class like knew more about the spirit world than any other, any other priestly class uh, to date, and that they really understood spirits and different levels of spirits. But they kept it all to themselves. They said, "No, we're not going to tell people. We'll keep that to ourselves, and because we need to make money, and we need to show that we have uh, we're, uh, superiority over over the people." Now, spiritism has come, and there's going to be more and more people who are going to communicate with spirits and to have their own individual uh, enlightenments. Okay, we carry on. But surely we have the power to conquer such opposition and proclaim a truth, which will appeal to reason and common sense. And, you know, God bless this guy, Fred, um, because all throughout history, people say, if I could just tell people the truth, everyone was like, ah, oh, and of course, you know, that never happens. People like people like the culture and society they are in. They are comfortable. And to get people to be to to awaken to the truth is is not easy because I can say, well, you gotta, you know, the spiritism gives you the truth. Well, no, I don't believe you. You know, you don't believe in in repentance, and uh, there's a lot of things you you know, and there's no such thing as reincarnation, so you can't tell me the truth. I understand that. And I don't expect anyone to, I mean, to to uh, believe what I say. And that's one of the other positive things about spiritism. The spiritism does not want blind faith. Uh, spiritism say, okay, just because someone talks to you about spiritism, you go, oh, I believe in spiritism because he said it or she said it. No, you need. You might want to listen. You might, okay, let me think about this myself. Let me go read these books. Let me analyze what has been said and see if that agrees with my rational thinking. Because spiritism wants a firm foundation of faith. It doesn't want someone that just is changes from one emotion to the other emotion. This is, you have to, through your own experiences and knowledge, spiritism should, should you know, hit, hit the right notes that you go, ah, yes, that, uh, that explains what happened to me in this situation. And this puzzle is starting to fit. This piece is starting to fit into this puzzle. Okay, I'll carry on. This is by no means so easy to be accomplished as you anticipate. It has been taught for ages that the Bible, as the word of God, needs a critical and scholarly interpretation that its teachings may be rightly understood. This is the base of all creeds and establishes the necessary of trained men to read it in accordance with the sectarian spirit they are engaged to foster. 
then you consider all the errors to be found in the formation and division of the sex. And he said, part of it, but the origin is in the making the book to be an infallible dictator and claiming that contains the whole and final message of God to man. It makes no such pretension for itself, neither it is in consonance with the methods of God's procedure that it should be so. He gives the sunlight. Now, this is an important. So this is, so many people say the, the Bible, the Old New Testament, is the word of God and it is unchangeable. And Spiritism says, the word of God in the spirits and of Jesus sending us those is going to is going to change and, and give us more information as our technology and our culture develops. That's why you should look at the old New Testament, look at the culture of what they were and what they were told. And the spirits have told us that the, the words of love and char, uh, charity and, fr and fraternity are, are, are eternal. But the other stuff, no. Okay, so let me carry on. He gives the sunlight day by day, sends the rain as the occasion requires, and makes each year to produce its own harvest. This is the law throughout the whole scope of creation, and it is reasonable to suppose he would vary or abrogate it in his personal intercourse with his children by speaking once and leaving the interpretation of his message to the mercy of whoever chose to make a profession of expounding it. Even the rivalry of the creed forbids such an assumption, and suppose that God can lightly regard such false pretensions very seriously upon the character of his love towards his children. So it's like you can't contain, it's like you're trying to contain the word of God and the words of Jesus in one book. And never, and oh, you can't get out of that book. This is your prison. You said this, you can't change. You can't tell me more. No. The spirit world is so much more powerful. And we are, and we are such, such immature uh, students that we need to listen as we're being told more and more. It's like, okay, you finish the fifth grade. That's all you're going to learn. There's nothing else you need to learn. That's not the way the spirit world wants us. The spirit world wants us to ever, 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 ever advance. I'll carry on. Your words are tinged with a glorious hope for the future of the race, I said and swinging the doors of mercy upon the hinges of infinite love. But tell me something of the condition those take in this life who had followed these teachings. And, his, and the Spirit answered, In this life, every man is held responsible for his own deliberate acts and motives. But all consequent punishment is remedial, not vindictive. And that's to remember that. Everything that happens to us is to edify us, is to educate us. It's not like, oh, okay, I, I'm going to have your car stolen just because I like to see you sad, right, or angry. No, no, no. Your car was stolen because you stole something like that in some past life. And now you're going to think, oh, I've never sell anybody's car. What a hassle. I've lost money. i got to buy a new one. The insurance doesn't pay me enough to cover it, all that. Well, your car was stolen. You did that at some other time. Maybe not still a car. There weren't cars around, but you stole something. The noblest, I'll carry on. The noblest gift with which, with which he is endowed is the power to reason. This being so, he is expected to consult and use it in everything he does. If then he possesses this gift only next in inferiority to, to divinity itself, it is consistent to suppose it is only adapted in the minor details of life. Well, it, it becomes a dangerous counselor in the weightier matters of the soul. 
Such an idea is a libel upon the giver, but here comes the difficulty. The natural consequences of the free use of reason on earth would mean destruction of the narrow limits of creed and dogma, hence its loud denunciation by the church. And of course, this is all about the Reformation too, because this is where Martin Luther, who said, you know, why are you charging us? You know, why? how can you be forgiven for a sin if you just give money to the church, right? Things like that. Um, where people should read the Bible and understand it on themselves. And he says, hey, you're a human. You're given intelligence. Use it. And this is the hard part for a lot of people to start doing this, and me included, is we live in this culture where we're expected to work, work, work. And when we get home, we don't want to think weighty matters. We don't want to read thick, deep books. And, you know, we don't want to really start delving into spiritism or any other type of, of spirituality. But that's why we need to, to balance ourselves, we, you know, because we can't be on this treadmill of buy, buy, buy and working two jobs or 80 hours a week. Like I'm, I know some people do, they work enormous hours just to keep that material level of what they want to live on. They, I'm not saying, you know, go live in a tent. I'm just saying balance a little bit and give yourself some time to improve yourself spiritually and look at these things and analyze them right this is what he says you know because you know organized religion doesn't want us to think too much of it for ourselves because hey their job is gone and that would really be this is the ideal is to have is not to have churches per se but and this is what the the Spirits have told us what the future of spiritualism should be is to have areas where we help older people, right? We areas where we help students, areas, you know, spiritist hospitals, and there are already spiritist psychiatric hospitals. And so this is to help people, not not to come and tell them, oh, okay, if you want to be saved, you got to go through me. No, that, that's not going to happen. And if you meet that, uh, then you need to go, no, that's that's not that's not how it works you're here to save yourself i'm not here to save you all i'm here is to put information on the table and for you to think it through okay on the other hand if a man being so endowed is content to accept the dictates of his fellow rather than stand upon the solid foundation of the consistency of the eternal god he must not be surprised if he's called upon to take the inevitable consequences of his preference of men's speculation to god's revelation i fail to see how he is to know i replied if you take the bible away from him i am not by any means doing so he said the record of god's methods of dealing with his children under various circumstances are invaluable guides to men he being forever the same. The annals of the past form useful indications, not necessarily arbitrary laws for the future. The men who wrote those books were men who walked and talked with God, and their communings are recounted for the comparison and encouragement of others, not to supersede or prevent such companionship in the future. Things are dynamic, informations are coming. By no means will we take the book away, but to say that our father has ceased to speak to men is to charge him with being a respecter of persons in the narrow sense of the term. For why should he have spoken to Abraham, to Socrates, or to Buddha, and not to the toiler of the present time? 
His light shineth on every land. He maketh the rain fall of the fields of evil and the good. Men may fail, but God is the same forever. When mankind, therefore, learn to use the Bible, not abuse it when they reason over it and seek its spiritual, not its creedal interpretation, when they search for truth instead of priestly sanction, when they, recognizes, when they recognize the messengers of love as angels from heaven, not emissaries from hell, then they will hear our voices behind them. And again, when he says recognize the messengers of love, that is talking to spirits. Now, of course, now in spiritism, and I understand uh, a lot of Christian religions say, don't talk to spirits, they're all demons. Well, some are, there's no such thing as a demon. They're just lower, they're just humans like us who haven't seen the light and they're, they're, they're pretty ignorant and they like to cause uh, chaos and hurt for a lot of people. So you do have to be trained and you should read the medium's book. You need to be wary of talking to spirits. That's why I always say you need to be trained. You go to a spiritual center and they'll train you for a year or whatever and, and, and go into a medium's group with you. Just not you go with some people who are uh, veterans in this, if possible. Then they will hear, I'll carry on. Then they will hear our voices behind them saying in the language of the still future revelation, this is the way, walk ye in it, and our Father's kingdom will be established on earth on the same basis as we see it here. When this time comes, our world will cease to be so full of surprises to the multitude of pilgrims who are continually joining us. And when he says so full of surprises, like people, when they die, they go, am I dead? Because they, they still feel themselves. I've been in a mediums meeting where they talk to spirits go, and they say, well, you're, I think you're, you passed over. I have. <laughs> it's pr it's pretty amu amusing. God bless them all. So that's why it's surprised because you you know when you die you don't turn into an angel and you don't get a you don't get assigned to harp and wings. You are who you are. If you are a criminal and a pickpocket, well, you're going to go with others like you. If you're a really nice person and you try your best, you're not perfect, but you're going to go some level of heaven where there's people like you. It'll be a great place. What would the old world be like, I ask, under such a system of government? And he said, come and see. And remember, he's just kind of walking out. Now he's going to, he's going to actually, uh, this will be next Tuesday. We'll talk about the Mount of God. So I hope everyone's enjoyed this because I, I just love, this is one of the, I love all these books that I read. And, and these are not spiritist per se, Books. These are books written, uh, uh, psychographed by mediums, written by spirits who want to uh, give us the messages from the other side. They're very exciting. They all have their own interpretations. Uh, you can argue with some of the things. But, you know, all the ones I've read for, they're, they're central theme of multiple lives, reincarnation. The spirit world is dynamic. You, you ascend. You need to keep learning. There are different levels of spirits. It's in... So... Think about this. Think about that. You are this physical human on earth. We're frail. We're, you know, we don't move very fast. We have to eat a lot just to move because of gravity. And, and the truth of the matter is we're placed in these dense bodies, these temporary bodies. These bodies aren't that important. Our paraspirit will look like our bodies because our paraspirit molds us. But we're placed in these dense bodies so we can learn. And we are just like perfect objects to have stimuli come at us and just like, okay, yeah, oh, I better change my character and personality because these things happen to me. 
This is why we're on earth. We're on earth to fundamentally reform our character and personality. In other words, rewire our brain. And that is a tough job. And it's not going to something like, oh, today I'm going to be good. I mean, maybe some people can achieve that. I never have. It's, to me, it's a daily, daily struggle of like, okay, yeah, I need to improve myself because there's a lot wrong with me. So I hope this helps. And I hope this this uh, um, brings you some information and brings you that that we are just surrounded by love. The, the heaven, Jesus Christ, and God, and the spirits who who are uh, help us and guide us every day and send us good inspirations, love us deeply and, and want us to succeed, like a teacher wa watching over their their children in class who are playing and doing things, you know, without any recognition of who's watching them or guiding them. And uh, that's who we are. And this is not your last life. This isn't your first life. This is just this. You're just one point in time of your trajectory of your lives. And hopefully, if you can take the time to analyze where you are and analyze how to become a better person, and you don't have to study spiritism or anything, but you study spirituality, study the fact that there is a higher power out there that is leading us. You aren't just a carbon-based life form that is randomly you know created on earth and then you die and you're back into earth now there's much more than that this is earth is an artificial uh planet set for us to be students on it. it's a campus called earth and we're part of something bigger we're part we're, we're being trained we're going to school we're being trained to play a much bigger part in the spirit world to train other spirits to create whole uh planets universes cultures races all that to be uh, to ascend so i just want to say uh thank you and uh, i hope to talk to you next week and god bless